Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. Let's stand and go to the word of the Lord. If you'd go to 1 Thessalonians 4, we're going to begin at verse number 13 today. 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 13. I'm going to read from the King James Version. Hallelujah. Anybody camped out? Anybody been to more than one camp? I know my son went to two camps. Three camps? Oh, he's camped out. Amen. How many enjoyed camp meeting? Really got a touch from the Lord and got a blessing. Amen. Just world-renowned preaching and revelation was given. And there's just some great impartation. My body was healed at camp meeting. I cannot even tell you how amazing that was just to feel the Holy Ghost warm sense all the way down to my ankles and know that God had healed my body. And I had pain in my back and he asked, is there anyone that has pain? And I lifted my hand and he said, now we're going to pray. And he did the prayer of impartation of healing. And then he said, is anybody check it? And I checked it and the pain was gone. It was just like that. It was gone. It was, an, it was a miracle. It was an instant miracle. I have been going to the chiropractor for that pain for six months and it was gone in a second when God touched my body. And the, the interesting thing was, now this may not happen to everybody, but, and I'll get to the scripture in just a minute. 1 Thessalonians 4 and 13. But the pain, where the pain was, the heat localized there. When, the whole, when I felt the Holy Ghost, it came through me and it localized where the pain was and the pain went away. I don't know if you've ever had healing in your body, but that's exactly what God will do is he'll touch cells, he'll touch places in your body, he'll touch inflammation, and he can take it just as, as soon as we say the name, he can take it. And I'm not responsible for the healing, nor am I responsible for it not being healed, as Brother Cisco said. So therefore, it's all his glory. Amen? Amen, somebody. Hallelujah. So 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 13, But I would not have you be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. Everyone say hope. Hope conquers sorrow for those we've lost. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so then also which, them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that which we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And then a lot of people stop there. But this next verse is really the powerful verse. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. In other words, he said, we're climbing this discipleship race. We're, we're, we're going up this trail. We're climbing the mountain. We have things that we're accomplishing. How many are occupying till Jesus comes, as the scripture says? But while we're doing that, he said, 
comfort one another with the fact that we're going home someday, that heaven is our home and the trump will sound and the dead in Christ shall rise. I want to talk to you for this last, I thought last week was the last one, but this is the last of this particular series. I want to talk to you for a little while about being committed to the climb committed to the climb. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Thank you for the powerful impartation we've had. So many of us have been in your presence and been in so many services over the last few days, but that doesn't keep your word from living today and touching us today. So a seed thought in our hearts that flourishes and brings us to great revelation in you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. We are going to do some climbing this week. That's no, uh, that's no secret. Uh, we're going on a man-up trip, so my, my mind and heart is thinking about tent camping, bedding, clothing, you know, whether it's going to be cold, hot, rainy, whatever, how to survive the elements, being prepared, as Brother Reese talked about so effectively this morning in Spirit Life class. And so I began to look at what it would cost for me to climb, if I'm going to be committed to the climb, as we're talking about today, I began to look at what it takes. So the shoes for climbing are $144. I found them online. They're, if you're going to climb right, you're going to need to have the climbing right clips that you use in order to carabiner or clip onto ropes. If you're going to do any kind of climbing, you need this gear. So $119 for that. A tactical climbing clips that go with that are $54, and the helmet. 55. How many need a helmet? You would need a helmet. That's important, right? Keep your noggin, as my cousin used to say, in the right place. $55.95. A climbing harness. You can't climb without a climbing harness, so you need that. That's $69.95. How many know this is, this is starting to add up? 300 foot of rope just to get started is $206, and you're going to need about 200 meters or 300 meters of it. So therefore, if you add another 200 meters on it, that's $629 of climbing rope. How many new rope is that expensive? So this is, this is climbing gear. This is what it costs. And then you're going to need a climbing ladder in case you ever come to a place where you have to traverse, and that is $300. You need a traditional climber's Bible so you know what to do when you're out on the climb, and that's going to cost you $21.56. That's basically climbing for dummies. That's what that is. $21.56. And then you need climbing gloves because those rocks will tear up your hands, and those are going to be $38.66. And then you, of course, need a chalk bag because your gloves are only go to your fingertips so you can hang on, and then you need chalk to put on your hands. So the chalk is going to be about $20. The climbing gloves are $38, and then the chalk bag that you keep your chalk in on your belt is $19.95, coming to a grand total just so you're ready to climb. You haven't climbed anything. You haven't even proven that you're prepared to climb. All you've done is bought climbing gear. Anybody know somebody like that? They have all the gear, but they don't know how to do it. Yeah, I have a few friends like that. They show up at the golf course and they look really good, but they can't hit a golf ball. I've met people like that. Here's all the climbing gear. So $1,454.58 just to be ready for the climb with no experience. No experience whatsoever. 
Reese hit on this this morning. I was kind of glad that you taught ahead of me because he kind of warmed it up. But you can have everything prepared and look right and have everything lined up and still not be experienced or ready for what's coming against you. You can, you can set yourself up by registering. You can be available. You can even have the right to be there because you paid the registration fee. You can have everything that you need as far as gear and still not be ready for the way that you have to climb or have the experience to know how to climb. I'm thankful for a pastor in my life. I'm thankful for Joseph Hanthorne in my life. I'm thankful for my father-in-law in my life because when I don't know how to traverse a particular situation, I'm committed to the climb, but sometimes when I'm struggling with something in my life, I need to go to a place where I can find a traditional climbing manual, amen, somebody, where I can find a word from God or where I can go to a pastor and say, what did you do or where can I find instruction?" or training so that I'm not just standing there ready to climb, but I'm standing there equipped with the word of God, having on the armor of God, ready to fight any battle, climb any hill, go through anything that comes my way because I want to endure this trail I'm on. I'm on in my life. Amen, somebody. And so whenever I got called to the Lord, I recognized it wasn't going to be an easy call. Personal testimony. Our piano said over here, my mother played traditional songs. You know the ones where you could play the song and take your hands off the keyboard about two inches or about two feet, depending on how much you got into it. It was like, she literally played the piano like that. And when she got really excited, she would exit the piano and woo, 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 all the way around the sanctuary in a praise worship and running around the sanctuary and I remember bringing friends to church and I was like I hope my mom doesn't go running today I I hope she doesn't embarrass me in front of my friends but sure enough we'd be singing I'll fly away oh glory and my mom would exit the piano and she'd go running and here she comes and it sounded like a siren going by because it was woo woo here but back there is woo woo you know so she would just go on by just worshiping the Lord and loving Jesus and there Everybody's like, wow, she's really gotten touched and she really caught the Holy Ghost. Somebody would say, and my friends, I take them home and I'm like, well, it's not always like that. You know, my mom gets excited and my friends would say, well, if that is what living for God is like, then I want whatever she's got. I want whatever they've got. If there's something that changes my life from the ho-hum and the everyday and the routine and the status quo, then I want whatever she has because she's excited about something. And when I asked my mother, what was it that set you on fire? What was it that gets you off that piano? Because I was called to God right by that piano, and I knew that she had to walk with God. I said, what is it? She goes, when I start thinking of my heavenly home, where I'm going someday, someday soon, it may not be tomorrow, it may not be next week, but because of the fact that I have made a lot of choices in my life that didn't pan out, but there's one choice I've made that God has promised me is a choice that will last forever, and that is my commitment to the climb. I'm walking with Jesus. I'm talking with Jesus. I'm moving with Jesus. And he, he has promised me good from that. He's promised me this mountain has a place of rest for me. And I continue to climb. So I don't want to just have all the gear. I don't want to be like Miley Cyrus. Always going to be another mountain. Always going to want to make it move. No, Miley, you have no idea 
the kind of mountain I'm talking about today. I'm talking about a mountain that asks everything of you. I'm talking about a trail that may not always seem so defined and you may find yourself in places where you have to pray for your next step because you can't quite see the trail because you may be on a trail that's not well worn. God may call you to a higher place that has no trail leading to it and you have to climb it with his guidance. Amen. Have you ever been someplace where it seems like everybody's doing the same thing, but you don't feel like you fit in because for some reason God has called you to a path that is not well worn, but it's still a place where your heart is worn because you know God has you on a mission. Amen. We heard a lot this week about a missional God. He's advancing his kingdom. And if you want to advance in his kingdom, you have to build his kingdom here. You have to start with yourself. You have to say, God, build your kingdom in me so that I can help build your kingdom in the earth. Amen? So who will go for me is the question that God asks. And he does not ask you based upon the climb. He does not give you the, the trajectory. He does not tell you how difficult your road will be. He doesn't tell you what kind of disease you may run into. He doesn't tell you what kind of danger you may face. He just says, will you go for me? And your answer has to all always be, yes, I will. Before you know anything, you have to go. Abraham was led out of the Ur of the Chaldees with just faith in a footstep. Amen. All he knew was to follow God. Sometimes God will ask you to do things that don't make much sense, but a divine mission will always be satisfying to your heart and soul. When you know that God is calling you, your hallelujahs belong to him. Amen. When you know that God is calling you, there is no way that you will have an empty hallelujah or a hollow heart or a missing mission because you are on the path that God has chosen for you. It's important to know that the church has a collective destiny. It's true. And this destiny speaking that I'm talking about is not a destiny outside the collective destiny of the body of Christ. Understand that the destiny of the church is the most powerful destiny on planet Earth. Nobody has been able to burn it out. Nobody has been able to religious it out. Nobody's been able to take it out of the earth. His mission is still in the earth, and he's proving himself over and over again in his word. Amen. Our Christian walk is much the same in experience as a sort of climb. A lot of what we do and a lot of what happens on our journey with the Lord may not be normal for everybody else, but it's normal for us. We're willing to accept it because I'm on a journey with the Lord and it is an uphill climb, Sister Carla. It is an uphill climb and better yet, in Christ, we know that we will survive. It's a climb of a lifetime. I've been doing this for a long time, but I feel so unprepared because even though I'm climbing, I say, Lord, I don't know where you're taking me, but I'll go there. When I begin to plan and think about where the church is going to be in five to seven years, Brother Reese, I, I don't know, but I see God setting things up to take us there. I don't necessarily have to know everything. I just have to know the one that's taken me there. Amen. And so what I found out is that I may not be perfect and we may not, may not be perfect, but like Micah 7 and 8 says, rejoice not against me, O my enemy, for when I fall, I shall arise. What that means to me, what I learned early on, 
is that rejoicing in God is the greatest thing that you can do, but also walking with God, even if it's a climb uphill, is the best way to live because I've heard pay it forward all my life, but I learned back then that if I would be walking, even if it's climbing a hill, when you fall, you fall forward, amen? So what I found out is all this pay it forward stuff is just a, a little offshoot of what God already does for us. When if you drive through a drive through and you pay for the burger of somebody behind you, they call that paying it forward. If you've ever been in a coffee line and someone pays for your coffee in front of you, they're just trying to do a good deed. They call it paying it forward. I pulled off there praying it forward. And I used to pray for people that didn't deserve prayer. I pray for people that didn't like me. I just pray for my enemy because I feel like that built, built some character in me. So I would pray it forward. But I learned early on when I used to run mountain marathons that whenever you're running up a hill. Even if you fall, you don't fall backwards. You fall against the hill. So we would wear gloves and we would run. And if we fell, we just grabbed on and kept running. You are still moving forward even if you fell. Amen, somebody. So what I'm saying today is if you pray it forward, God bless you. If you pay it forward, God bless you. But the greatest thing you could ever do is not study all your weaknesses and all your failures, but pray, but fall forward when you do fall. And ask God to help you to get up and go again. Amen, somebody. We're so busy sometimes, even in church, I watched it growing up, we're so busy trying to work on our weaknesses that we forget to work on our strengths. God's given us grace for our weaknesses. If we would just keep climbing, falling is no big deal because you're falling forward into the grace of God. When you trip and you fall, I'm not saying you put yourself in situations to sin. I'm saying when you truly just wake up with a bad attitude. Hello, somebody. You wake up with a headache, you wake up with a bad day, and you're not doing so good. Guess what? If you still pray, if you still read the word, if you still put a, a praise on your lips and say, this is the day that the Lord hath made. I don't know why I don't feel good in my body today, but I will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen, Sister Mona. Amen, somebody. That is what we do every day. Picking up people, bringing them to church makes me happy. I drive all the way to Milwaukee to pick up somebody. When they say, I think I can get my car started, I say, no, I'll pick you up. Because it makes me happy. It makes me happy to bring people to the house of God because it's part of my climb. If your car is too nice to put souls in and bring to the house of God, you need to sell your car and get one you can bring people to the house of God in. Oops. Sorry, shots fired. If you have way too much nice stuff that you can't have a child around you, that doesn't have all the disciplines yet of living right or, or doing right, guess what? You need to get something that you can you go, go to Bob's Furniture and buy cheap furniture so you can have a life group in your house with kids that are not disciplined, amen? Because they don't know any better yet. But someday they will remember we used to go to pastor's house and we used to have Bible studies and we used to talk about Jesus. And I remember when I used to sit on his lap and he flew me around the church, amen? Somewhere somebody is gonna remember something because you made available not your finery, but you made available the perfect God who loved you when you didn't deserve it, loved them when they don't deserve it. Amen, somebody. In our scripture, if you back up to verse nine, it says, for what thanks can we render to God against, against uh, 
to God again for you, for all, uh, for all the joy wherewith we joy uh, for the sakes, uh, for your sakes before God. I wasn't going to read this. That's why I'm struggling. I apologize. Verse 9 in the wrong verse. I, I was in the wrong chapter, sorry. Verse 9 and verse 14, in chapter 14 it says, But as touching brotherly love, ye need not that I write unto you. For ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. There is something that can be taught from this pulpit, and there's something that only can be taught from God. And when you love people, regardless of where they are, God teaches you that. God puts a love in your heart for people you wouldn't be able to love if you weren't living for him. Some of us wouldn't even be friends if it wasn't for the love of God. And it's not, it's not that you have to learn how to be their best friend, but you do have to learn how to love them as a brother or sister. You do have to learn how to be knit together and work together and love each other and encourage each other, which means coming to the house of God and being ready to be there for somebody when they need a word of encouragement. What could you do if you were a word fitly spoken to somebody's life? I can't tell you how many times we're in spirit life class and we're studying, we're talking, and Carla says something and it encourages my wife. We come home, she's like, didn't Carla say something amazing? That was so good. She doesn't even know she blessed my wife two weeks ago when she was talking about having a personal relationship with God. But she said, that encouraged me. That word wouldn't have happened if she wasn't here. So I preached my first point today, that when you're committed to the climb, you're ready to be in the place that God wants you to be when you're supposed to be there. Amen. Because if you get close to God, there are just some things that happen in proximity to his presence that cannot happen without being there. Blake Soto sitting on the front row of camp. Dr. Littles comes down and says, is it all right if I touch you? And he reached over and he began to prophesy over Blake Soto. Is Blake Soto somebody special? His Braylon Soto, sorry. Bryson Soto. I know Blake. I don't know Bryson. Bryson Soto. We got it right. He began to prophesy over Bryson Soto. Is Bryson Soto something special? His, his father's name, he preaches all over the United States. Yes, it is, an, is a name brand. I, I get that. But Bryson, it's Bryson, right? Bryson Soto is not special just because of his father's name. He was blessed and prophesied over because of his location. He got to the house of God and was on the front row. That way, whenever Brother Littles felt impressed of God, he came down and he shared a prophecy that was for everybody, but he was showing it for one boy. He said, God loves you. You are, not, you are special to him. He cares about you. There is, not, there is nothing that God will not do for you. You are not, you are not uh, unlike any other, but you are special to God. And he was trying to share the grace of God and how we are loved by God but he did it because he was in the right place. So God takes us on a climb to get us to the right place. Everyone say the right place. And when we're on that climb, if we fall, we fall forward. Look at Psalms 24, it says, who may climb the mountain of the Lord or who may stand in his holy place? Only those with hands and hearts that are pure. It says, he that hath clean hands and pure heart and hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity. Another translation says, who do not worship idols and never tell lies. That would exclude all of us, right? In some way, shape, or form. We, we've all lied or we've all t told a story here or there. We've all had moments where we've put idols or things ahead of God. And I guess if you feel like that excludes you, I want to tell you that the blood of Jesus Christ includes you. 
That is where we get included again. If we are left out in the cold, guess what? He brought us in by his own sacrifice, by his substitution for us. First glance, I would look at that scripture and I would say, he that hath clean hands and a pure heart. That's why we try for pure, we strive for purity. That's why we consider what we listen to and what we put in front of our eyes. That's why we consider the things that we go and the venues that we entertain ourselves with. It's because we're trying to live a holy and pure life because I want to lift up holy hands every Sunday, amen? I don't want to just come in here and get cleaned, all the junk off me from the week, and now I have a worship. I want to have a worship when I come in my car. I want to have worship when I pick up Jessica and Mona. I want to have a worship in my heart when I'm with my family. I want to have a worship on Monday and a worship on Tuesday and a worship on Wednesday. And when I get through a hard day at work on Thursday, I still want to lift up holy hands that I'm striving to be holy because God said, be holy for I am holy. It is important that we understand that our prayer life links us to our placement in God. And that gives us power to be holy. Be holy means that you have a work in holiness. Amen. Brother Little said something that holiness is impossible without each other. And I believe that's a facet of it. I don't personally agree to that because I believe that the holiness in us comes from the Holy Ghost. So we are personally holy from the Holy Ghost that's in us. But we also can have an accountability one to each other where we confess our faults one to another. And that increases our ability to stand in him. Therefore, by that increasing our holiness, our ability to walk into holiness. Amen. So therefore, I believe it's a facet of it, but not, but not alone. He said that you cannot have holiness without each other. I don't believe that. I believe that comes from the Holy Ghost, but I don't want to focus on that. Look at 1 Peter 1.16. It tells you, be ye holy for I am holy, coming from Leviticus 20.26 20, if you want to do the Bible study. But thank God for the blessing of being able to be holy. Amen. Brother Cisco said there's nothing like having the Holy Ghost because the angels want to look into it. It's the one thing. The angels don't care about your nice car. The angels don't care about our abilities to understand the stars. The angels don't care about anything. But he said that the angels want to look into this Holy Ghost that we have because the Holy Ghost is God in us. Amen. And so therefore, the greatest gift, the greatest place you can be is to have the Holy Ghost in you walking with God. And Jesus has made that available for us to stand in his holy place through the blood of Jesus Christ. I sometimes think that we have to, we have to change our mindset because we can, we can so think that we're, we're struggling with things or that we're down and out or there's something that's happened in our past that keeps us or, or contains us. But I want you to know if you're committed to the climb with God, you have to be committed to the climb out of the things that keep you from being, unho from being holy. You have to commit to things. Like you have to make a commitment. I don't personally, whenever I was walking through, uh, we were getting ready to move and, and my, we're looking at some videos. I'm like, those can all go. I don't even watch them. I don't even want them in my house. I had like transformers or something like that. And I'm like, I don't even need those in my house. I want to clean out my house. We're moving. I want to clean it out. So therefore we're trying to do something where we're just taking things. And I'm not saying movies are wrong. And that if you have a Netflix account, I'm not saying you have to go cancel your Netflix account, but I wonder what would happen if we weren't watching a series and we were over at our neighbor's house teaching a Bible study. I wonder what could happen if we changed things so radically that we were committed to the climb so much that we say, I don't want to just climb this mountain. I want to take somebody with me to the places where God wants me to go. Amen, somebody. David probably wrote the Psalm 24 
that ascending to the holy hill, or who can ascend to the holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart and hath not lifted his eyes up in the vanity. They think that David possibly wrote this after bringing the ark back to Jerusalem. How many know that Jerusalem was up in the hills? And that climbing into the hills was often a dangerous thing because there were robbers and there were uh, those that would, would, would try to steal and, and would try to take your goods as you were on the trail. So there's several, there's about 15 different Psalms of Ascension, as they call them in the scripture, Psalms of Ascension. They would sing these Psalms as songs to their heart to encourage themselves as they went to Jerusalem because the trails were so fraught with rocks and danger and people could hide out and thieves and robbers could come and steal and kill and destroy and so they would sing these songs unto the Lord as they were ascending into Jerusalem and they would encourage themselves on the way can I tell you that the greatest encouragement sometimes you can do is to get to the house of the Lord and to sing a song of praise to follow along on the screen seems like just another Sunday worship but it might just be your song of ascension it might just be your place of lifting your head and your eyes to the hills from whence cometh your help my help cometh from the Lord. It might be the worship that leads you to your next place in God, your next revelation in God, your next hope in God, your next joy in the Holy Ghost, because you might just be lifting a hand saying, I worship you, Jesus, but on the inside, God is touching you. God is mending you. God is helping you, and from that moment, you can climb out of things. You can climb out of depression in the name of Jesus. You can climb out of struggle in the name of Jesus. While you worship, you are singing a song of ascension in the presence of God. You need to climb out of it. We need to get out. And the only way sometimes to get out is to put a song on your lips. One person, I saw a video that said, this is my morning routine. And it showed him waking up. It was a baby. And they showed this baby. And they showed it different stages of the baby. And the baby is first going, making that face when the alarm goes off. This is me when the alarm goes off. And then it shows him the baby in the car holding the steering wheel, like jamming. <laughs> this is me on my way to work, listening to praise tunes, you know, trying to get ready for work. And then it showed me at three o'clock in the afternoon, you're like, the baby's yawning. I don't ever want to get to the point where I don't have a power in my praise. And I don't have a walk with God that I can't climb out of anything that I find myself in. Anything that comes against me, there is always an option. And that keeps you from feeling trapped. Amen? Some people feel trapped if they don't feel God's presence or they don't know what God wants them to do. But I want you to know that your worship is your way out. Your worship is your way out. Amen, somebody. So the place and then the potential. There's potential in the scripture. He said, I would not have you be ignorant, brethren, concerning that which is they which are asleep, nor sorrow. He was saying to them, because they were concerned, these disciples anticipated the speedy return of the Lord. And then in the scripture, he was handling a situation of their fears, lest those who died would be worse off than they that live. And so he was addressing that. And the apostles said, you can dismiss your fears because those that are dead are dead in Christ. And that whenever the trump sounds, there's going to be a great day coming whenever the Lord's going to sound a trumpet. And we are going to be caught out of here. And those that are dead shall rise first. 
He said that they shall rise first. In other words, those that are dead shall rise, and then we that are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet him in the air. He was addressing the fact that they were already gone, but they're not lost. They're going to be caught up first, and we're going to meet them in the air. Amen? Any place you look for the trump sound, Exodus 19 and 16, you see that it came to pass on the third day in the morning when Moses was getting ready. There, was a, there were thunderings and lightnings and thick clouds upon the mount. This is Mount Sinai, and Moses had brought the people to the mountain, and they were going to meet with God, and God was going to sit down on the mountain and show himself to Moses, and, and he said, get the people ready. Get the people ready. Have them sanctify themselves for three days, and then also have them wash their clothes because I don't want the people to think that coming closer to me has nothing to do with what they're wearing. And pow the power of God is so powerful here that it shakes the mountain and it moves things and trumpets are sounding and they're seeing, they're sensing the presence of God and Moses goes up into this and they believe that Moses is going to meet with God. Everywhere you see God represented in scripture, there's always a trumpet near there near the sound. And so then in the scripture here, it says, we shall be caught up together to meet him in the clouds in verse 17. And those that are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet with the Lord in the air and so shall they ever be with the Lord. And it says in the previous verse in verse 16, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel. So there's going to be a shout. There's going to be God's visible uh, manifestation. And then it says, with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. And those that are alive and remain shall be up, caught up to meet him in the air. And he says, you can comfort yourself with these things. In other words, he's telling them, don't be afraid of those that have died. Don't be looking at it as a loss. Make it known to yourself that we have a hope in God that there's going to be a trumpet sound one day. We're all going to be caught up to meet Jesus in the air. Are you excited about going to heaven someday? It's going to be in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye, our bodies shall be changed and we shall be like him. Amen? Every place in scripture where you see the trumpet sounding, it's instantaneous. Isaiah talks about a trumpet sounding. Zechariah talks about the trumpet sounding. In 9 and 14 of Zechariah, we see that my scripture is not working. I love it when it does this while I'm in the middle of a session. And the Lord shall be seen over them. And the Lord shall be seen over them, and his arrow shall go forth as the lightning. Everyone say lightning. lightning. It seems that we have a theme. There's light, and there's trembling, and there's shaking, and then there's the blowing of a trumpet shall go forth as a whirlwind in the south. Revelation tells us, in, and we find in Scripture very many places where the trumpet accompanies the presence of God. And of course... I'm getting irritated with my iPad. I apologize. Would you lift your hands and worship with me? I'm pulling up scriptures that are not listed. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for technology that won't work. But God, I want to be ready when you come. I want to be ready. I want to be ready and willing to be to be on point and in position when you call us home, Jesus. I want to be in the place you call me on this climb. I want to have the potential that you have for me. I want to live in the power of God and in the provision of God that you have for me. Haggai 1 and 8, it says that they went up. They were asking God for the power of God to do things great and powerful. And in Haggai 1 and 8, if you have your scripture and you want to go there, Haggai 1 and 8, 
It tells us that they were asking God for something powerful. They were seeking God for a new place to worship God. And if I can find Haggai quickly, I will. Anybody have that? You can read it if you have it. Haggai 1 and 8. I apologize. I had it in my, in my iPad, and my iPad has gone dysfunctional. Oh, thank you so much. I did give that to him, I hope. Go up to the mountain and bring wood and build the house, and I will take pleasure in it, and I will, ge- and I will be glorified, saith the Lord. They were, they were spread out, and they needed to expand their borders because they became a great people, and they said they want to build a place for the Lord. And God said, go up. He said, your placement is, is up on the mountain. He said, go up the mountain and bring wood. Everyone notice that it says, bring wood to build the house of the Lord. What he's saying is the timber was the tabernacle. That's what he's saying. He said, when you go up, up and you get in the place that I want you, when you're committed to the climb and you go to the place that I want you, you will find the provision that I have for you. When you climb to the place where I have called you to, God will automatically make provision meet you there. It will meet you at that location. You just stay committed to the climb. God will stay committed to your provision. Amen, somebody. So whenever you climb the mountain, he said, you bring wood from the mountain down. They had used up all the resources in the valley. They had used up the resources. They were a great people in the place where they were at. And sometimes it's, it's the same way in my soul and in my heart. I feel like, where are the things that I want to use for God? Where are the resources that God has promised me? And God said, just keep climbing. Just keep climbing. You'll find it as you climb. Just keep putting one foot in front of the other. It may not seem like a lot right now, but where you're going, going has all the potential. Where you're going has all the provision. And I will meet you there. I will drop in front of you what you need for the next stage. And so he puts a place and a potential and a provision out in front of me and lets me walk through my life to it. And I will be glorified. He Look what he says. I will take pleasure in you going up to the place and providing. And I will take pleasure in providing for you there. Bring that wood down. Bring that timber. Look at the tabernacle in potential. Amen. Look at the tabernacle. It's in potential. It's already there. It's just in a different form. What God wants to do in you is often already in your life. It's just in a different form. And as you climb, as you commit, I feel the Holy Ghost here, as you climb and are committed to the climb, God will show you and reveal to you what he's already put there for you to climb through. And he says he pleasures in it. He gets joy from us committing to the climb and going to the places where he says the provision is. The provision is not lack. God's Holy Ghost has not lost any of its power. It has not lost any of its ability to do work. He's not less of a healer now than when Peter's shadow passed over people. He's not any less of a God now than he was then. But thanks be to God that we are people who are ready to be in the place God called us to be, ready to hear the sound of the trumpet. And someday we will go up and we will see the Lord of hosts. And guess Guess what? When we're committed to the climb, it won't be anything new. We just keep on going right to heaven. Amen. Is anybody ready to hear the sound of the trumpet and to go home to be with the Lord? Are you ready to hear the sound of the trumpet in that moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we will be changed? We don't know when it's going to happen. How many want to hear the sound and go to be with the Lord and be ready to meet him? Amen. Somebody. 
I want to hear the trumpet sound. I want to be ready when it sounds. I want to be a person that has built my life on the climb and found the provisions of God. And those provisions are what we need to get to the place that God wants us to be. What if the trumpet sounded right now? Would you... What if that was it? What if the trumpet sounded right now? We were going home. Guess what? You won't be upset at how hard it was to climb when that trumpet sounds and you hear it. You won't be upset having to live through cancer. You won't be upset having to go through diabetes. You won't be upset having to be tethered to this flesh that's forever dying, but renewed day by day in the Lord. You won't be upset at how hard the trail was. You won't even think of that. Your first thought will be, thanks be to God. I made it home. I had, I made to heaven this is my new day this is my place and my provision in God if heaven is your home you will not think of what you went through down here for the glory that is to be revealed is nothing like the sufferings of this place whenever Tanya's mom passed away Brother Putnam was there and he said, I'll be shocked if she's not healed. And then when she passed away, he turned to Tanya and said, oh, I guess she's shocked. Did you know that she is not worried about not being here? Because the moment she stepped into heaven, she heard, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And I'm at junior camp this week. And Brother Gums is doing his lesson. And he calls out of the crowd some boys to help him. And he calls out a prodigal and puts a funny hat on him. He said, now you stand right here. Now all these other ones are pigs. And he puts little pig hats on all them. And they're oinking and doing their thing. And they're eating and doing like, you know what you do in children's church. You do some crazy stuff. But guess who was standing down there at the prodigal? And he said, Brother Calhoun, you're going to be the father. And then he put a funny hat on me. And I started sweating because it was hot. Big old furry hat. I looked ridiculous. But he said, when the prodigal comes running home and off took out Tate, little Tate, running to come home to the father. And I ran. I'm so glad you're home. And I picked him up and I spun in a circle. And I said, I'm so glad you're home. That would not have happened had there not been prayers of a mom who was committed to the climb to go where God called her to go. When she came to church, I put my hand on her. I said, God, I don't know if you're going to heal her body from cancer, but if you don't, do something powerful. And I held in my arms a little boy who's in junior camp filled with the Holy Ghost. Why? Because God is committed to bringing the provision that you cannot bring even if you go home to be with the Lord. He's still going to work in the earth on your behalf. Do you understand there's nothing like that? There is nothing like that. You can't buy that. You can't purchase it. You can't talent your way into it. There is nothing like the power of God. When you commit to climbing with God, he'll do things you cannot do. 
And even if you go to the grave, he'll continue to work. As long as there's time, he'll work from eternity. I'm committed to the climb because I've seen too many things like that happen. Where you think, how desperate is that situation? Tanya raising her brothers, doing something that few would do. The heartache that they struggle with. Sorry, Tanya, I didn't mean to bring this up, but it's part of the lesson and it's part of what I wanted to say. But yet all that struggle cannot be compared to the glory that is in our lives in the future. Amen. Would you stand with me? I hope that trumpet sound caught you off guard a little bit. That's how fast it's going to happen. The Bible says in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, every time you got up out of bed, rubbed the sleep out of your eyes and prayed, you'll be like, <laughs> it worked, it worked. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you'll be excited to be with the Lord. There's nothing that puts a smile on my face greater than being in the place where God wants me to be. Because when I'm in the place where God wants me to be, I know his provision is right there with me. His provision is right there with me. So I, I've been using Tom. I'm going to use Tom again. Come, would you come and help me one more time? Let's finish this up. Tom, would you stand right here? This is the way God works. He's in eternity. He's not bound by time. He created time for us. We live out time. He's living. Now face that direction. He's living in time. He can't go back and change anything. Only God can change your past by the power of his blood. Amen? But he can't go back and change anything. All he can do is live toward death. I'm sorry. You're headed that way. That's all you can do. Okay, stay here. <laughs> so he's living out his life on a linear pattern in time. But God is eternal. He can step out of time and he can take care of what's back here so he doesn't carry the emotional baggage of it. And he can go over here and drop provision on his timeline. So when you pray, listen carefully, when you pray and you commit to the climb moving forward, when you commit to the climb, what God does is sometimes we pray and we think God says no. But really what he does is he steps into your timeline in the future and drops your answer on your timeline. And then you have to live through what you're going through to get to the answer. He didn't say no. He just put it in your future. Do you understand what I'm saying? When you're committed to the climb, you are living toward every answer prayer you've ever prayed. The power of prayer, the power of being in the right place at the right time. Thank you very much. Give him a big hand for helping me out today. This is what it means to be committed to the climb. Would you lift your hands with me all over this place and let's just thank the Lord for his grace and his mercy, for working even when people have gone, for working even when they have passed. Look, the scripture tells us they are not lost and they have not lost anything in God. God is doing the work. God is still continuing the work. So we rest in you today, Jesus. And we know that you are capable and powerful. We're going to keep on climbing. We're going to keep on doing what we know to do. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I end with this. Last week we had two baptisms. And I got here this week and I, I forgot. I, had, I took some people home and I had forgotten that I left the pump in the baptistry. And there was water down in there and it needed to be cleaned out. So I'm laying down in the baptistry with paper towels and I'm just cleaning out the baptistry. 
and I'm putting the pump away and everything. And somebody would look at that and say, Brother Calhoun, you need to get running water to that baptistry. You need to have nice water and it all, it needs to be, someday you'll get there, Brother Calhoun, someday. But what they don't realize is I celebrate cleaning out a baptistry. I celebrate pulling a pump in and out of the baptistry, just like I celebrated setting up and tearing down out of a trailer because it was part of my climb. It was hard sometimes, but it was part of the climb. Amen? And someday we're going to look back and have a beautiful abilities to just walk people into a baptistry when they're ready to be baptized. We're going to have that someday. But I'll still tell the story. You remember when we had to run a hose from the kitchen sink and fill the baptistry to baptize people in the name of Jesus according to the word of God. And then we had to pump it out the front door with a pump. You remember that? We had a horse trough pump and we pumped the water out the front door or the back door, whichever one was closer. But we did that. And then we had to get in and clean it out with paper towels. I laid down in the baptistry while I was cleaning it out. I was praying. I'll tell the stories because the climb is always beautiful with the beautiful God. I want to encourage somebody today, whatever you're going through and wherever you're at, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be added unto you. That is what the climb is all about. First the kingdom, first the climb, and God will make a way. Amen? Lift your hands one more time. Let's thank the Lord together.